Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, a deep dive episode which normally, normally, this is exclusive for our patrons and academates, but we're going to be discussing ADHD today in ADHD Awareness Month, and I thought this episode should like the NHS healthcare, should be free at the point of delivery. So I'm just going to introduce our very special guest. Kim Rain is a high-performance ADHD coach and the founder of ADHD Brains in Business, a community of high flyers ready to lean into and celebrate their neurodiversity. She works with clients to maximize their health and mindset so they can overcome procrastination, get on top of overwhelm, and increase their confidence by working with their brains rather than against them. And I know I'm going to have lots of writers out out there nodding their heads furiously thinking this is me this is me so <laughs> kim is also the author of square pegs a book of self-discovery for women with adhd which was an instant kindle bestseller and kim and i used to go to school together as well which is we amazing did, so kim welcome to the podcast it's amazing to see thank how you. are you today thank you i'm good i was reflecting on my earlier on our dog walk of like how funny that we're here doing this <laughs> after weird, uh, yeah being at school <laughs> i think it's brilliant i think Who'd it's absolutely brilliant yeah no it's fantastic <laughs> well look what we're going to do uh, we're going to define what ADHD is. We're going to talk about your relationship with it. Uh, we're going to talk about the book, and then we're going to go into some listener questions because uh, you know uh, people in in our in our community have been been asking questions about this for such a long time. It's great to have someone who's who's yeah. kind of lived this. So let's let's start with a definition of what ADHD actually is because this is something that I think there's a lot of misconceptions around this, aren't there? Yeah. And do you know what? Actually, the definition of ADHD was something I really um, spent a lot of time working on from the book because it's really people have different perceptions, even people with ADHD, of how they want to be labeled. You know, is it a disability? Is it a mental health condition? You know, what actually is it? So ADHD is, you know, there there's structural differences in an ADHD brain to a normal brain just slight structural differences um, and there's um, physiological differences. So it's, you know, generally we have less dopamine or we're left receptive to dopamine. So we look for that um, and dopamine is fires up our brains. So in ADHD, the brain can have trouble firing up basically. So we can struggle to focus. We can find ourselves easily distracted um, and we struggle with what's known now as executive functioning. And executive functioning is kind of like the air traffic controller of the brain. It's the part that organises everything, plans everything, puts things in order and just, yeah, is a more organised being. Whereas for us guys, it doesn't tend to work quite like that. You know, the, the messages get, get mixed, get fuzzy. Some don't make it at all. Um, so we can find ourselves all over the show. But what this does mean is that we have these amazingly creative brains because we we tend not to think that linearly <laughs> <laughs> yes true uh, and your relationship with adhd it you were diagnosed quite recently weren't you tell tell us tell yeah. us about how how it's worked with you yeah so for me i i came to adhd kind of came into my world about four years ago when a client of mine who was a you know a really successful high-flying lady who is right I was coaching people for burnout for um wellness for anxiety sleep issues um general health and well-being uh problems and my clients were generally very cool people and this one lady said to me Kim I think I've got ADHD and I thought well you can't have ADHD you know you're not the stereotypical thing type of aid that we expect ADHD to be 
So I started to look into her to it, you know, to, to be able to help her more. And I was like, oh, oh, all oh, right, okay. And I was just like, oh, that sounds familiar. And suddenly, like a few little things were going off in my brain. And then another client started to show symptoms. And I'd been coaching her for a while. And I was thinking, I think she could have ADHD. And it just opened up this world where I kind of became really aware. I self-diagnosed, you know, I self-diagnosed, I was like, okay. And and obviously, Mark, you knew me at school. I <laughs> as soon as I knew it was like, this is not a surprise. This is not a shock. Of course I've got ADHD. It just seems so obvious. Um and Funnily enough, when when um, I wrote the book, I said to my mum, I said, have you got any of my old school reports knocking about? Huh. She phoned me up and she went, oh, Kim, she said, you wait till you read these. And my son <laughs> and I re- sat and read them and we were like, wow, this has got ADHD all over it. Um, but that kind of, kind of brought me into this awareness of ADHD. And um, I say to people, you know, I've been coaching 17 years and the last year I've made it official. I've got my diagnosis. I've gone off and trained, you know, specifically made it more ADHD aware. But unofficially, I've been doing training ADHD for four years because what I then started to notice was because a lot of my clients were coming to me because they were struggling with what actually are often not all, you know, just because you're burning out a lot, just because you're anxious doesn't mean you've got ADHD, obviously, but it is a symptom that a lot of people have. They do struggle with sleep. So actually when I, and this drive meant that a lot of these people were very successful, you know, that they would have high education. They would have lots of um, degrees, several, you know, they, they were hugely successful people that you would never think were your standard ADHD people. So I started to realize and kind of like was like piecing bits to pieces together. Um, and now I say, you know, I think I've unknowingly been coaching ADHD for 17 years because I can see it now. I'm looking back and saying, oh, OK, you know, pieces are falling into place. So it's been a really, really interesting journey. Really Amazing. interesting. Amazing. And you've written this book, Square Pegs, a book of self-discovery for women with ADHD. Tell us about the why you wrote the book and the process of of getting it out there? So I wrote the book because I was, so I've been working with these men and women actually um, and helping them because what was happening was, as I say, I was was starting to realise ADHD. So I was saying to people, have you considered it could be ADHD? And for quite a few clients were like, oh, wow. And we've gone on this kind of journey together. And so I was seeing what was happening. I was also seeing the effects of where you get to that point where you've lived with undiagnosed ADHD for for your whole life. So what happens is you think there's a level playing field and you think that, you know, the reason that maybe um, you're a bit disorganized and a bit all over the show and it's, you know, because my school reports were covered with Kim just needs to try a bit harder. She just needs to knuckle down and do a bit more. So you have this part of you that thinks that you're not enough. And that always came up in coaching. And that's where, you know, for 17 years, I can see the people because they were the people that never thought they were enough, never thought they did enough, never thought they had enough because you have this this hyperactivity that drives you. And the, the hyperactivity, I should just say, can be physical. So the more stereotypical sort of hyperactive uh, ADHD, but we also have the inattentive type, which is more the cognitive hyperactivity. So racing thoughts that can, you know, give you this feeling of always needing to be moving forward. So um, I was kind of aware of 
the, the, the thought processes and what it did to your self-esteem to live all those years thinking that it was something wrong with you. You just needed to work a bit harder. You would kind of get it, but you kept going around in circles. And then I got my own diagnosis in February, uh, in, in December last year. And in February, I sat on a beach in LA with some amazing like entrepreneurs, six, seven, even like huge, hugely successful uh, business owners, earning amazing money, living this amazing life. We're sitting on a beach in LA doing, doing business. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> and um, I said, I'd been coaching all of these things. And I said, you know, I'm not really sure where I'm going. I feel there's something I'm missing. And they were all like, Kim, it's ADHD. You need to do the ADHD bit. And I was like, I'm just not ready to tell the world I've got ADHD. I just, I'm not ready to do that. And um, I, they were like, oh, don't be so silly. And I thought, yeah, it's all right for you to say. Anyway, I turned around and asked a question that changed my whole life. And I just said, okay, how many of you guys have got ADHD? Now, I've been speaking to a lot of them and got to know them. And I was hyper-focused on ADHD because we hyper-focus. And, and about six or seven in a, in a circle of 30 put their hands up. And several others kind of like waved their hands. Like they weren't sure if either they had it or not, or they weren't sure if they were ready to admit it. They were maybe feeling a bit like myself. And there were other people in the group that I had been coaching. Um, and when you get to coach, you get to kind of see behind the mask. So I was, mm-hmm. although they might not have been aware of it, I was already thinking, you know, this can be ADHD. Several have gone on to get a thing. So it suddenly hit me that actually what was sat in that circle was everything that was amazing and phenomenal about ADHD. And that if we continued, and I get get emails all the time, still do, from women and men going, I think I've got ADHD, but I don't want to get a diagnosis because I don't want to tell my boss, or I think my child's got ADHD. Mm. I don't want them to get a diagnosis. And it's all about this label. I don't want the label of ADHD. And I just sat there and I thought, my goodness me, look at what ADHD can do, because it suddenly occurred to me, I'm probably here because I've got ADHD, Mm. you know, because I've got that drive. And um, so, so I came off that beach with a completely different view. And uh, my daughter's been diagnosed ADHD. I talk about it in the book. ADHD is highly, highly hereditary. Um, it's it's extremely hereditary. So if you have a child with ADHD, 24 times more likely as a mother to have ADHD. Wow. Um, yeah. So what then occurred to me is, well, what if my grandchild's got ADHD? And do I want her growing up in this world where it's a label? Or do I want her thinking, oh, I've got ADHD? I can't do this, but I can do this. I need to celebrate it. And that's kind of where the book came from was about celebrating and and changing our views around ADHD and the stigma around it, but also acknowledging the stories and the beliefs that you have probably told yourself and developed over all of those years where you thought that you were on a level playing field with colleagues and peers and friends, et cetera. So it's kind of a book. I always say it's not a book about ADHD. Although there's a lot about ADHD. It's a book for women with ADHD, if that makes sense, to kind of help change those stories. Absolutely. And like I said, instant Kindle bestseller, and it's available now, folks. So do do go and check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Now, we've got a bunch of listener questions. What we've got is... Actually, people asking lots. I've I've never seen a response like this. This so settle down, folks. We might be (laughs) buckle up. (laughs) So we're going to start with uh, Jeff White. 
Uh, Jeff says, I was diagnosed with combined ADHD last year at the age of 40. So a lot of what Kim says in her Metro article rings true for me. And uh, folks, we'll put a link in the show notes to the Metro article too. It's, it's really, yeah. really good. Really, really good. Um, Jeff says, two of the things I struggle with most are multitasking and my poor working memory. Not a ideal when you got caring responsibilities for a preschool child and multiple part-time jobs. Are there any particular strategies or tips Kim would recommend to help with multitasking and managing working memory? So I'm going to say, and this is kind of like, oh, I think I always feel like people think, oh, is that it? But actually, and, and this is science. So the ways to kind of help ADHD, and I've done lots of research and it keeps coming back to this. And interestingly, when I realized I had ADHD, I, I kept asking myself the question, why is my ADHD not so bad? It, it got worse in recent years. I talk about that in the Metro article because I'm 49. So I'm coming perimenopause and everything all goes a bit crazy then. But, you know, why hasn't it been, why have I been okay and able to manage it? And what I've discovered is, the medication can really help ADHD. So there's stigma around taking medication. So medication can help. It doesn't help everybody. And, you know, the, the saying is pills don't make skills. So that's one thing. But failing that, if you maybe aren't diagnosed or you don't want to try medication, the next best thing is exercise, is regular exercise, because what it does is it, you know, increases our endorphins, our dopamine, it helps all of those things. And it just gives the brain the oxygen, gets it flowing. So actually, you know, some exercise, regular exercise is really important. So um, it's been proven two to three hours of, uh, sorry, 15 to 20 minutes of exercise Slight can give you yeah exactly <laughs> don't panic folks don't panic um can give you two to three hours of good focus so right. that's one thing that um and I think that's important for adults and children so you know actually it's really important that we do some exercise and that exercise can be anything you want it to be you know going for a walk running up hills dancing whatever you it can be anything, but just get your heart rate up. So that's one thing. And then the other side of that is self-care. So it is actually making sure because what can happen with us is we are so busy. We're so full of ideas. We're impulsive. We 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 like want to act on things straight away. We're very often not even finishing one task before we're on to the next idea. And we can find ourselves feeling really overwhelmed and then very easily burnt out and stressed. Um, and what happens is when the brain gets stressed, when we're, when we're stressed, the prefrontal cortex, which is kind of like the home of our executive functioning, really, or the root of it, that helps us plan and organise and be able to sit and write books and focus and concentrate, shuts down and our amygdala takes over and says, oh, my God, stress, stress, you know, where's the danger? Where's the fear? Let's think of all the things that are going to go wrong. And your brain is then not solution focused. It's what you know it's really not able to find solutions and therefore that whole those ADHD symptoms can really take over so self-care and exercise are probably the two most valuable things that you can do for your ADHD and I think that's where you know my background is um, coaching in health and wellness and I think that's where I say I realize now I've been coaching it for all those years because actually as people got more into that, so did their symptoms get better. 
Um, and then, sorry, the other thing which we really struggle with, but is a routine, is having some form of routine, something ADHDs can really struggle with. And I, I see I see that came up again. So we'll talk about that more in okay. another question because I saw that came up too. Okay, very good. Thank you, Kim. Um, Jeff also asked, what would Kim recommend as the first step to take to really get to grips with your ADHD? So if you've had... If you suspect it or you're about to get a diagnosis or you've had the diagnosis, what are the first things you should do to sort of take a grip on it? Um, I think it is, is try and find out what ADHD really is as well. Have that good understanding of actually what ADHD is. Because I think that a lot of people like even, you know, I work with people that are diagnosed with ADHD and part of the process we go through is talking about this, how, you know, impulsivity affects you, how distraction and focus and what effects these have so that you can have that awareness of how your brain functions. Because once you have that awareness, that's kind of the first step to finding solutions and ways that work for you. Right. Um, so I think, you know, really doing a deep dive into it. And when I say a deep dive is look in places that are more than maybe, and forgive me for saying this, but like the NHS website, right? you know, that has a more, you know, look for the emotional effects of, of what ADHD can have on you because that's what can affect your behaviours. Well, Jeff's next question says, are there any resources or reading Kim would recommend? So uh, is was there a book or a resource that, that really helped you? Yeah, so there's um there's a couple there's a website that I really recommend called Attitude, A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E. And it's an American site and it's kind of like the go-to and there you've got something on everything there and a lot of the experts write for that site and some of you know the leading experts so the people um like uh dr barclay um um his name's not halliwell dr halliwell ed halliwell i wanted to call him jeff but that's because see working memory um ed halliwell um and so he does a book called ADHD 2.0 is his latest one. That's got some great information. And I saw that Jeff also said about partners. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say is if you are a female and you want your partner to understand ADHD more, I would look at my book because I think that ADHD in females is different to how it presents in males in some ways, not always, but the emotional side of it is different uh, because we have hormones and that makes a huge difference. Um, But I think that attitude is a really good resource. Um, There's some really passionate people doing some good stuff out there. Cool. Uh, Folks, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can can check that out as well. Brilliant. We've got a question uh, from James Sharp who says, how does Kim deal with executive dysfunction? And what tools and practices does Kim use for getting around the fact it's very difficult for ADHD brains to form routines? Now, you spoke earlier about the importance of routine. Yeah. It's all very well saying make a routine, but just forming that routine yeah. in the first place, how do, you, how do you start with that? Yeah. So I think that rather than routines, it's about creating habits. So, you know, actually it is – and, and what we can do is find when we look at the bigger picture, it feels really overwhelming. 
So let's take, you know, something that, and, and I'm, I keep going on about it and it's sort of like, oh, really? But exercise. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, it's just like, okay, we all know we should exercise. But what happens with a lot of ADHD people is they don't feel motivated to exercise. If you talk to them about exercise, they think, oh my gosh, they, they get stuck in the process and that becomes overwhelming and they don't want to do it. So actually, if we can create a habit of just in fact, there's two things, but one is, is using exercise, you know, that actually, you know, you go out at the same time every day or you have a particular thing that you do or it's, it's you know, and for us, what we need to do is be interested. If we're interested in things, we will do them and we'll get hyper-focused and suddenly, you know, you'll your partner's going, come on, we're supposed to be going out or, oh my God, I've forgotten to pick the kids up from school or, you know, because you're so into what you're doing. Other times you spend hours and you've done absolutely nothing. You've gone round and round because it's something you're not really interested in. So I think that, you know, our executive dysfunction comes when we're trying to do things that we're not really interested in, that we find boring because boredom is like kryptonite for us. So we have to keep things interested. So, where I keep going about exercise, if exercise doesn't interest you, you're going to find that really difficult to do. And yet that is fuel for your brain. So think of how you can make things interesting for you. And what happens is if we do things that interest us, it creates dopamine. It is fuel for our brain. So quite often, you know, we're told eat that frog, start the day with the biggest thing you need to get out of the way, which is usually the thing you least want to do. With ADHDs, quite often, they will procrastinate all day long until that thing is like right at the end of the day. And then what happens is the deadline starts to loom. So the stress starts to come up. So adrenaline gets produced. Adrenaline helps the dopamine kick in. And suddenly you're like, oh, I can do it now. And you can do it in 10 minutes, but you've procrastinated all day. So what we need to do is create that um, those chemicals in another way. So actually for us, you're much better to get up in the morning and do the thing that you love that really fills your heart. And, you know, obviously you want to do things that are, that are healthy, that are good for you. And I, by healthy, I don't mean, you know, necessary excellent. I mean, healthy for your soul that, that, that fill you. So, you know, for me, I, I love writing. So actually for me to start my day with 10 minutes of journaling is a great way to start my day. I love music to put some great music on while I'm brushing my teeth fires me up if I try and start my day doing the things that I find the most difficult eating that frog it's just so difficult for me to get going because there's no fuel for my brain we have to fuel our brains with the things that interest us and and this is where ADHD is is really you know if if we just take a moment to think of kids in schools you know I know from my school reports there were some classes and it was it was like it was the blessing and the curse because sometimes there'd be a class where it'd be like Kim you, you know you're amazing at this subject yet your behavior isn't great but actually we can see that you have this you can do this but then you'd put me in a classroom where I wasn't interested and it would my ADHD symptoms I I literally Mark would sit there feeling this energy coming up inside of me and then I'd be you know, distracting people and disrupting, et cetera, whatever I'd be doing, because I wasn't 
engaged. And if I'm not engaged, I'm not igniting those chemicals in my brain. So I think it's a long answer, but I think that actually doing the things you love first. So if you know you've got to sit and write and you've got to write about something that you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I've been putting this one off and putting it off. Spend 10 minutes dancing around your house to your favorite music, really fire yourself up. And then, you know, you may be more focused. The other thing is that I I found really good um, for writing is brown noise. Have you heard of brown noise? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, white noise. That's really, really, Yeah. yeah, has helped me. Great. Kim, the more you speak, the more I'm sitting there thinking, I need to get myself checked out. <laughs> well, what I should have said at the beginning of this, Mark, is by the end of this, everyone listening will think they've got ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> because um, because I think the world we live in is, yeah. um, you know, we are living in a society now where actually we are exacerbating a lot of those ADHD things. So we're yeah. all struggling with distraction. We're all dis- struggling with um, focus. Um, emotional dysregulation is a big ADHD thing. Um, there are lots of things, but really it's like, has it been present since you were a child? You know, has it been an issue for you then? And is it causing right. an issue in your life? And mm. what I will say is um, the experts believe that 75 to 85% of the people with ADHD are not yet diagnosed. Right. right. So actually what I, I, and this is just me, thinking but I think I'm not alone in this is part of me thinks you know what if just quite a lot of the population have got ADHD brains but it's okay because it's just a different brain it's not really and that's where the whole thing about the disability comes in it's like and there are days where it feels like a disability there are days where it's really really tough um but you know what if just we've all got different brains because actually go back to primal times you needed the ADHDers to go out and do the hunting and be like yeah let's just do it and be (laughs) impulsive and you needed the neurotypicals in air quotes to sit there and go well we're like the fire and gather the berries and do the calmer more organized stuff and that's how society rocked on you know and actually maybe we've just got these different brains so yeah, I think um, a lot of people say that. Is, yeah. I, I think I've got ADHD. Brilliant, brilliant. A <laughs> um, couple more questions. One from Laura, and we're going to get into sort of more specific writing stuff here. And Laura says, do you have any tips for dealing with rejection-sensitive dysphoria as a writer with ADHD, especially in terms of sharing your work and putting it out into the world? And, and how do you deal with things like imposter syndrome, low sense of self-worth that can accompany ADHD and rejection sensitivity dysphoria? I mean, this is this is something that all writers struggle with, but it seems that if you've got ADHD rejection, putting your work out there, this is this is tougher, tougher than it might be for most. I think it's huge. And I think exactly the, one of the things that I was going to say is, you know, it's having that perspective and I was going to say to you and throw that question back to you Mark is like have you met a writer that doesn't struggle with those things because you know you're really putting your head above the parapet and I think I didn't really realize until you know getting closer to the end of the book book, and you think this is going to be in print this is going to be this is not a blog post that I can think oh there's a a typo there or, or actually I want to update this is out there forever and you know so so it's I think we all feel it. ADHDers struggle with the rejection side of things more so. So 
um, we have been shown to be more sensitive emotionally and physically. So we feel pain more intensely um, and emotional pain. We struggle to regulate our emotions um, and that's part of the impulsivity but it's also part of all the things that I spoke about you know it's it's those years of being at school and you know I'll just try a bit harder or you know feeling a bit stupid sometimes and even if you're like me and you're quite you know I had, you know me I had quite a big personality and I used a lot of um, laughing and joking to cover up the fact that sometimes I was just like oh my gosh like what I'm I'm thick um, and it's been proven as well. I can't remember the exact number, but that children and adults, but children particularly with ADHD, have it's it's a, in the millions of negative connotations every year mm. that come their way. Mm. Um, you know, little put downs, little comments, little things. And when you're a child, that's a really formative time. So I think that part of it again comes to that awareness of this is something that actually is made up from the stories that I have taken on over the years. And actually it's about what's the truth here? What is the actual truth here? You know, I, I'm an expert in whatever you're going to write about. Um, and also for me, the way I dealt with it is I knew that if I put that out, it was going to help a couple of people not to be in the position that I've been in. Um, And I mean, it's, it has been, and it has been phenomenal. So I think you have to think of the, the longer plan, but know as well that you are doing something um, unique. You're doing something brave, to Mm. be honest, you are doing something brave that a lot of people will never do. So that's where the imposter syndrome comes from because you're, you're putting yourself out there. So I think it's kindness and what is the truth? And the other thing is, um, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. What's the worst that can happen here? You know, like someone says, you know, mine was and still is, someone's going to give me a bad review. Someone at some point I'm going to get, you know, it's been phenomenal and it's been like, it's been amazing. Great reviews. I've already got a one-star review, which is actually someone that's given me a one-star review because... Um, they couldn't download they the Kindle. Yeah. Did you see it? <laughs> and I just thought, are you for real? Like, who does that? Who oh, does that? But well, Welcome to Amazon, Kim. You get people who's exactly. like, they left it in my neighbour's porch, one star. Why are you punishing me? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But exactly that. And it, I guess that kind of eased me in a little bit because yeah. I had that fear of like, oh my God, one review and read it. But... That's the thing is, so what is the worst? Say that review said, oh, this is rubbish. It's the worst thing I've ever read. I've got the other reviews. And at the end of the day, no one's going to die. No one's going to think I just have to get into perspective that I'm going to survive this and it's going to be okay. But a lot of it is to do with perception, isn't it? But that's what I always think is what's the worst that's going to happen and are you going to survive? Absolutely. Brilliant advice. Laura goes on. She says, Do you, does Kim have any advice for the editing stage of writing? My brain finds this especially tedious because I already have it marked as done in my head. So there's nothing new or interesting to motivate me to do it. And I also find it difficult to organize and keep track of an edit. I mean, you know, I've been through editing several times. 
we were talking about this on the academy last night. Someone was going, "Is there an easy way to do this?" Says, "No, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard." So you know, but uh, Kim, how was the edit for you, and how did you how did you cope? Well, with it? so I laughed out loud. I lulled, as they say, <laughs> when I saw that question because I thought, "Oh my goodness, I'm sorry, I have no <laughs> uh, glimmer." Because exactly like you said, it was really. I mean, that was the hardest part. I thought mm. writing the book was going to be the hardest part editing it was the book was like a boomerang you know I kept thinking oh it's done and then it would yeah, come, back, come back and then yeah, it would yeah, come yeah. back <laughs> and I was so exactly so bored of reading it and so bored of um you know like it kind of became like that white noise so mm. for me the process was you know I I wrote it out I then organized it all I had my blueprint I went on a spreadsheet I definitely did the ADHD thing of Always, and I don't know if this is probably for everyone, but like always thinking, oh, now I need to put this in. Now I need to put that in. Now I need to, right. and just wanting to put in more and more and more. And one night, actually, I did a word count, and I was aiming for about forty-five thousand words, and I have fifty-five thousand. Right. And at that point, I was thinking I need to put in more, so I then had to take a lot out. So for me, I actually it was physically painful. And when I say physically painful, I'm not joking. And I had to just sit in my chair. I had my brown noise on. Right. I had, you know, no distractions. So when I'm working, I'm in this office. Um, I have, you know, my phone is out of sight right. and out of the room because that's a huge, huge distraction. Oh, yeah. um, and I think, yeah, massive. So it can't even be in certainly not in sight and certainly not in the room. Um, and I just had to keep thinking, keep going because you are going to get to be an author. And right. if you go through this, the payoff is going to be you'll be an author and you can you've written a book. And actually, you know, that just kept me focused and going and having deadlines as well for me was really important right. because, you know, again, ADHD, we are so good. We're, we're I say we we're good news. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're full of ideas. It's like, yeah, follow me, everyone. We're going to do this. And we will start off with, because everything's firing, the dopamine's flying and we're full of like, let's go. And it's exciting and it's interesting. And off we go. And then we get to the end and tying up the loose ends like editing and it's starting to get boring and our brains are starting to shut down because there's no fuel. So again, I would have breaks. I would re-energize myself. But I'm really sorry. I don't have any great advice because it was really, really hard. Yeah, it was no, like a boomerang. But I, I think that's fair. I think I, this is the conversation we were having last night in the academy. It's like there's no magic wand you can wave. This it is a lot of work. But I think you're right. Taking breaks, bit of focus, take time. Yeah, it's going to take a while. But it's, it's a good question, yeah. Laura. And but yeah, there's no easy answer. The, yeah, and and you've got to just keep your eye on the prize. You know. Yeah. I can yeah. remember I had tears in my eyes at the end of one day. It was baking hot, sunny outside, and I was just like, this is tough. <laughs> do it. We've had a question from uh, – uh, I've made this one anonymous because, one, it's quite a long uh, thing. It's essentially about getting your partners to understand what you're going through and asking them to make reasonable adjustments. And they, they talk about – Say so they're constantly losing things like the remote control, leaving it around the house, and uh, and it can be right in front of them, and they can't see it. Yes. You know, and other people can't understand. It's right there. Why can't you see it? Yeah. You mentioned that obviously there are differences between men and women, the hormonal differences or what have you. Mm. But you know, getting your partner to understand how's that how's that 
I mean, don't want to get too personal, but how's that been for you? How's how and how is that generally for folks that you've that you've found? I think it's been a real journey for me with my husband, and I think I've seen this in a lot of my clients. So, first of all, I think if you before you know you've got ADHD, you know something's not quite right. Mm-hmm. You know you might have this com- constant thing in your head. I know I did, and I know that, like what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? That will come up lots of times because you do stuff. Like you know and you'll be looking for the remote control and you can't find it anywhere and it's right in front of you so you're like what's wrong with me so so those things come up and then you discover you've got ADHD and then you say to your husband or partner I've got ADHD it's this you know eureka and they're probably or possibly going to go don't be you know you haven't got ADHD you're not bouncing off the walls because they're you know um thinking of what we all believe ADHD to be so then you have to take them on a journey, which can take a lot of convincing. Once you realise you've got ADHD, I remember my husband saying to me after I got diagnosed, I was telling a story and it was about accidentally letting my brother's budgie go. Um, And as I was telling it, I realised I was just like, and I'd done it because I got distracted. And halfway through the show, I was like, oh my goodness, that was ADHD as well. My husband went, Kim, everything is not ADHD. And I just went, but actually everything is ADHD. To me now, I'm reviewing my whole life. Yeah. And suddenly, yes, it is all ADHD. So, so you end up at these different levels of understanding. And to you, particularly if you've got ADHD, it's hyper-focused. So there's that, that thing of like having to bring them along and being understanding that they may not understand. And then you are trying to explain it. For me... My husband has slowly but surely come along as he's seen my me be able to help myself better. Yeah. So I now my life has really improved since understanding I've got ADHD because now I know I've got ADHD. I make allowances for myself. Um, but for us, things like with the working memory, and it came up earlier, is like, you know, the ADHD brain, we have something called the default mode network. And default mode network, you may know of like, that's your imagination. So when you're daydreaming um, and not really task focused, your your mind wanders off and it can go all over the show. It can be amazingly creative. It can also go into some negative places and ruminating and going over all sorts of stuff. But that's kind of like your free wandering mind. And then we've got our task positive network, which is when the brain is focused on a task. So maybe you're sending an email and the task positive network is is working. And what should happen is the default mode network should turn off. A task positive network turns on, one off, one on. That's how it should go. It's sort of like an on off switch. In ADHD, it doesn't work like that. What happens is the task positive network can become off and then the default mode network keeps switching on and on and off, which is why you can be writing an email and suddenly think, oh, my God, I wonder what happened to all the red squirrels in England. I wonder how many got you, whatever you find, you know, and suddenly you're Googling that and off you go. Um, And because we have that quite switch, is what can happen is we can do things without focusing. So you can find yourself leaving the house and you've turned off the gas, you've locked the front door, you're sat in the car, you're thinking, where are my glasses? And you go back in, did I turn the gas off? So you check the glass. Yes, I checked the gas. Your glasses are on your head. But what has been happening is because of this switch, 
although you're doing the thing, you're not focusing on it. So when it comes to remote control, that's the sort of thing, the reason why we can like be seeing things and not really seeing them. Um, and when it comes to partners, it's just slowly educating them without boring the pants off them yeah. because they might not be as amazed and excited about this new discovery as you are. But for you, it's like, oh, my goodness me, yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so I think educating them as to what it is and, you know, ultimately it's like leading, I think, people listen or take more notice when you do rather than when you say. So if you can say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I need you to help me. I need you to do X, Y, and Z, facilitate that for them rather than keep saying it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, in writing, we have a a thing which is show, don't tell, you know. When something is active, when something's actually happening, people will remember it. So, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, uh, one final question, and we've got a question from Jeff Jeff White, which is, uh, does Kim have any tips for managing energy? He says, I find I'm knackered at the end of a day dealing with a world that isn't designed for the way my brain works. How can I conserve energy? And Andrew Chapman chips in. He says, I would also like to know the secret to this. The solution for me used to involve alcohol, but those days are behind me. So, you know, energy, if you're con- every kind of action of the day is a bit of a struggle, how are you mm-hmm. keeping the energy levels up? I mean, we talked about exercise earlier. Is that, you know? Ex- yeah, it's having generally having a good self-care and exercise. So again, that sometimes might take a real shift in thoughts and, and habits. So start small. Start small if you're like somebody who's a real couch potato and just thinking, oh, Kim, I can't even, I'm so far away from that. It's, you know, you're like, that's never going to happen. Just say, do you know what? I'm just going to go for a little walk around the block or to the end of the road and back tonight. So start small. But I think the thing with energy is, It's again, like I say, that's how I think ADHD came into my life so much because I was working with so many people that were burnt out. And what we're not good at doing is self-regulating. We're not great with self-awareness. So actually what we tend to do is we overcommit. We really easily overcommit. So we are, um, there's this thing of time blindness. So we tend to really overestimate Um, how long the things that we find really boring are going to do and that we're not interested underestimate how long the things we love are going to do we um, are not great with breaking down how long things take so you know we struggle with being late a lot Um, so actually now I mean I was late for everything all my life I've been on time management courses and the guy that sent me on it was a friend of mine. It was his company. He said, go on my time management. Got them. Brilliant. Next time I met him, I was five minutes late. I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> now what I know is, okay, Kim, you need to work backwards, <laughs> not forwards. Not like, oh, you know, I've got to be there at nine. So actually, and I'm leaving it two minutes past nine and thinking I'll be there at nine. You know, now I I work backwards and I think, okay, I've got to be there at nine. So work backwards, but also I think it comes down to overscheduling. Look at what's going on in your life. And, you know, we have highly active, hyperactive cognitive function. So our brains are really active. Our bodies quite often need to be active as well. Um, And our our, um, nervous systems are super sensitive and can be on so quite often you may feel this feeling of needing to be moving all the time in your body or needing to be moving forward quite often 
um, ADHDs can feel quite uncomfortable in their bodies. You know, like you'll be aware of an energy in your body um, and you might be exhausted, but you've got this sort of um, um, like electricy energy. It's not nice. It's it's like almost like an anxious energy, nervous energy, I guess. Um, so first of all, it's prioritizing your sleep routines. And, you know, it sounds really simple, but make time to sleep mm. because what often happens is, and I think it was Jeff that said, you know, quite often gets to the end of the day and he starts to work. Mm. And so then, you know, you're trying to fit in all the things that you haven't done in the day because we often overschedule and we have this hyperactivity. So we always want to be doing and doing and doing. And it's just have been more realistic about what we're capable of. So what I what I do with my clients is three things a day. Give yourself three things to do in the day. Um, and they're your vits, your very important things. Right. And those are the things that you are going to do each day. So it might be, it can be anything. It can be finish that chapter, um, go to the dry cleaners and check in on a client, for example. So those three things. Now, you might have all those things done by 10 o'clock in the morning, and that's great. I want you, you are now finished for the day. Now, that doesn't mean you stop work for the day if it's 10 o'clock and you want to do things. But what we're not used to doing as ADHDers is feeling finished and accomplished. We always want to do more. There's always more we can do, more, more, more. It's never enough. And actually, a lot of our energy comes from this feeling of it never being enough. Mm. So... When you've got these three things done, you have this feeling of a company. I am done for the day. I have done what I set out to do. When we have a big, long to-do list, you're never done. You never have that feeling of accomplishment. So, you know, you can find yourself getting to the end of the day. Quickly, the adrenaline kicks in and suddenly it's, you know, 12 o'clock at night and you're like the energizer bunny. You've got loads of energy, but really you're flying on cortisol and that. So sleep, prioritize your sleep. Be realistic about what you can actually do in a day and really practice like I'm going to have three things, three focuses that I'm going to do today. And that's going to be it. And, you know, don't pick the three biggest things. Maybe have three big things to achieve that week, mm. three smaller things in the day um, and self-care, looking after yourself, because that drive is exhausting. It really is. And I think that the burnout is huge in, in ADHDs and it's to do with our expectations a lot of the time. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant advice, Kim. This has been absolutely amazing. Where can people find you online? Uh, so I'm on Instagram at the ADHD, at the, at the entrepreneurs ADHD coach. I'm just going to, have you got my, we'll, 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 we'll put, put a link bike. in the show notes, people. We'll put a link in the show <laughs> we notes. Did, <laughs> we did say work in memory. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, I've got a community on Facebook called um, ADHD Brains in Business. Mm -hmm. And that's quite a, a cool place to hang out um, where, you know, if you're a, if you're in business, even if you're employed, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a writer, come and hang out with us in there. That's my Facebook group. Um, and then KimRainCoaching.com. You can find me there as well. Brilliant, brilliant. And folks, Square Pegs, a book of self-discovery for women with ADHD. And I guess men can read this as well, you know? Yeah, some of my male clients were like, uh, Kim, what have you done? <laughs> and I was like, so, sorry, but I wanted to write about hormones and, and brains and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, but men can read it. There's loads in there for them. And also, if you have a, a partner with ADHD, I think it's well worth having a read or a child yeah. or a yeah. mother. 
brilliant. Kim, it's been an absolute joy speaking to you. This is Thank fantastic. You You're going to inspire a lot of people. Um, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us and hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you for having me.